Thanks for tuning into the XL Legal Podcast, an interview-based podcast for lawyers devoted to practice excellence and wellness tips. I'm your host, Shelley Appleby-Ostroff, legal talent development consultant, writing coach, and former practicing lawyer, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Hindi Greenberg, a recognized expert on career counseling and outplacement for lawyers. Hindi is the founder and president of the career consulting firm Lawyers in Transition, author of the Lawyer's Career Change Handbook, and former practicing lawyer. Hindi's work on lawyer career satisfaction and alternatives has received widespread national and international attention, with the Los Angeles Times calling her the Ann Landers for Lawyers. Welcome to the XL Legal Podcast, Hindi. Well, thank you for having me. Well, thanks so much for being here. I find it so disconcerting these days that lawyers rarely talk about enjoying their work and that many lawyers say if they could go back and do it all over again, they would have chosen another career. So why are there so many lawyers that are unhappy and questioning their career choices? I think it's because many didn't know what they were getting into when they went to law school. A a number of my clients didn't know other lawyers or hadn't really uh, informational interviewed with them to find out what being a lawyer was like. They had these sort of L.A. law, you know, Mm -hmm. TV program idea, or maybe if they were older, Perry Mason ideas, or I don't know what the current things are. But the unrealistic viewpoint of what a lawyer does, uh, in reality, lots of times lawyers are stuck in their office researching or writing. It's not as glamorous as some people think. And people think that all lawyers make a million dollars a year, and that's absolutely not true. Certainly there are those, but you know the average lawyer makes an awful lot less than that. And so um, they don't have a realistic viewpoint, but also... Um, I think, you know, something you and I talked about uh, another time was that law is a funny profession. It's the only profession probably in the, uh, of any kind of work where there's an equally competent, bright person on the other side of the issue who's trying to make you look wrong or foolish. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other professions don't do that to each other. But in law, your, your opposition attorney is paid to do that. And so you're trying to, you're always in a competition and a a very combative competition. And so that makes it uncomfortable. Um, Yeah, one of the other big reasons, uh, older practitioners who I've talked to, um, they have said that it used to be that their law was a profession, not a business. And that they provided a service and they felt like they were providing a service as opposed to making money for the law firm. And now a lot of people feel that law firms, you know, are just, okay, churn out those bills, uh, you know, get the work done, but bill as much as possible as opposed to provide the good service for your client. And I think that's disaffected a number of people. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, I certainly understand that. And I mean, 
you've worked with so many lawyers in transition and lawyers that have um, sort of decided to stay within the profession after considering their options and those who have left the profession. I'm just wondering if you can kind of maybe give us a snapshot of some of the um, some of the issues that these lawyers have faced and and what led them to make the choices to stay or to leave. Well, some people choose to stay when they they do an evaluation of what the alternatives are and what their options. Some stay because they're going to make more money staying as a lawyer than moving into other things, which isn't necessarily true. I mean, there are other options that might make them as much, if not more. But lawyers tend to make on an hourly basis more money than uh, many other jobs and professions. So some stay for that reason. Others evaluate and go, well, you know, in the main, I guess this is better than a lot of the other alternatives. Um, There are people who also really like uh, practicing. I have a brother-in-law who's 91 and just retired this last Mm -hmm. year from practice. He practiced since he graduated law school and passed the bar when he was, I think, 25. So, and he loved every minute of it. He really wasn't going to retire except that he started having a few medical issues. He would have uh, probably died at his desk if it was his choice. And so there are people who really, it fits um, their personality. Of course, he did it in a very low key, humorous way. That's the kind of guy he was. And he was able to do that. Um, other people just find that, um, they're having a problem making a change. Uh, they have commitments, they have obligations, they have dependence. Others find it easier. It, it's sort of a, a personality thing. Some people are able to uh, consider other options more easily than others. Uh, some people, nothing is going to please them. I had one client who there wasn't, I finally had to say to him, I think you're going to have to do the things, the few things you like in your free time and just know that working is not going to be a happy time for you and just do it to make your living. So there's all kinds of people out there. But I think I think that um, some people who are looking for other options uh, need to just look at their transferable skills you know, the skills that they have, as opposed to looking at the tasks, you know, you can say, oh, I write briefs and I make court appearances. But what does that translate into? Uh, writing briefs translates into, you know, doing research and writing and analyzing and synthesizing and editing and making court appearances as public speaking and client relations and persuasion. Those are transferable skills rather than saying I write briefs. And those another type of employer can understand that you have the capabilities if you present yourself in that way. So Mm -hmm. uh, I often advise people to do an analysis of their transferable skills. I did a study some some several years ago of uh, clients that I had individually consulted with, not those who just attended a seminar, but those who I had a personal relationship with. And I found that only about 20% actually left the law completely. About 40% made a change within law, maybe to a different type of firm, maybe getting into more of a management uh, or advisory role, uh, maybe doing something like I'm doing where my degree as a lawyer certainly and my experience as a lawyer helps me in my counseling and credibility with my clients, but I'm not practicing law. And about, I would say almost 40% don't end up doing anything, some by choice, 
others, what, what can I say, out of laziness or fear. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, so many lawyers are talking about wanting to leave, but it sounds like very few actually do make that uh, make that leap. Uh, so what are some of the different jobs within law that those who are considering um, a change have sort of transitioned into that you, lawyers that you've worked with? Well, there's, you know, there's, there's a number of things that lawyers can do. Um, I was just talking to a, a, a client uh, yesterday, day before yesterday, about the possibility of working for a continuing education um, organization because she really liked uh, organizing and uh, doing event planning and uh, working with people and, and problem solving and troubleshooting. And she didn't mind when someone complained about something because she really liked to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we talked about, you know, working for a, a continuing legal education organization where she put together the programs. We also talked about uh, working in-house at a law firm where you're the recruiting director. And uh, oftentimes the people who are the recruiting directors um, are responsible for the first year of training of the new hires as well. So they both go out to law schools and recruit as well as do the internal uh, training. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are people who work for uh, legal publishers. If they really, if what they really like to do is research and write and they don't like interacting or making court appearances as much and being involved, they could work for a legal publisher of course, you know, working for a court, doing legal research or writing for judges. There are people who work um, for working for, uh, a, let's say, a legal organization, let's say a bar association, but in a non-lawyer capacity to an extent. Like I had one client who got a job working for a bar association as their director of publications, this was, again, a person who really liked to write. So the person wasn't then practicing law, but had to have a legal background because, you know, putting together a publication, how to do your own divorce, let's say, they had to, the person had to know how to do the research and put together a, a proper publication for the lay population. So there's a, a number of things. I mean, there's many more things, but that's just an illustration. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So interesting is, I mean, you sort of hear about people having these transferable skills in in retrospect, but I think it would be really helpful for lawyers to realize while they're working within uh, whatever type of practice that they have skills that really are quite uh, useful in so many different environments and to just to be able to break them down. Uh, I think that in itself would give someone a sense that maybe they're not so trapped. There are a lot more things they could be doing. Absolutely. And, yeah, Absolutely. and maybe that's that's why people tend to decide to s- sort of stay within the profession because they realize, well, it's not this and only this. Because we talk about the different sort of dynamics that go on within the profession, within a firm, within an organization uh, as counsel, and those sort of interpersonal dynamics, those, I imagine, can affect one's job satisfaction as well. Absolutely. Uh, that, can, that can make or break a job. It could be, a, I have, a, have a, had a recent client who really had a very good job, was paid well, liked the work that he was doing, but his boss was, you know, 
what can I say, a jerk, you know, <laughs> and, and it's hard to work with someone who is not nice, who is not appreciative of your work, who is demanding, unreasonably demanding, who, you know, is not easy to work with. And that can really, that affects your day-to-day work. It's not like an occasional, you know, everyone can handle an occasional obnoxious client if you have to, because you know, it's just occasionally, unless that is your main client. If you're working at a corporation and the corporation itself is obnoxious somehow, but, um, but to have a boss who you have to, you know, uh, who who is in charge of evaluating you, giving, you know, recommending you for raises or bonuses, and also giving you your day-to-day work to work for someone who is, is difficult can make, can break your uh, satisfaction of a job. So what I start with people oftentimes, unless they've made the absolute decision to leave the law, I mean, nothing will please them. I mean, that happened with me. I, after 10 years of practice, I made the decision that I, you know, wasn't going to practice. I had been worked in two courts. I worked in a big international law firm. I worked in a five-person firm and I went in-house. So I tried various things mm-hmm. and it wasn't going to work for me. And so, um, so there are people who make that firm decision. But if they haven't, I try to find out what it is that they're not liking. And oftentimes there might be another practice area or a different type of firm. Uh, or a, just a, a, a different sort of format, the, the, the way maybe the firm works. Uh, if, if they're on the plaintiff side, maybe working on the defendant side, the different ways that things are billed and, and pressured could change things for them. If that's not going to work, then, of course, I do. I mean, I almost always have, do an analysis with my clients of what their transferable skills are. Uh, I mean, lawyers have some common ones. Usually they're good writers, but not everyone. Some people mm-hmm. are better than others. Some are good speakers. Some are not as good speakers. Uh, analysis, you know, synthesis, editing, client relations, all those types of things. Because, again, as, as I said earlier, we were in, you've said, is that these transferable skills open up their vistas to thinking about other things I've had clients call me and say, well, I'm just a lawyer. What else can I do? And I go, oh, my God, just a lawyer. You know, you've got so much background in, in transferable skills and things to do that there's many things you can move to. Now, if you're just a doctor, that is more difficult because they have a sort of a neuroscience sort of application. They don't have the broader base that lawyers do, the writing, the speaking, the et cetera types of skills. So um, it, it, it is important to do that uh, uh, analysis for people and to think more broadly. But there are so many things, even within law, that they can change to, as I said earlier. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder, too, if for some people, maybe um, sort of changing location or uh, size of the firm or uh, going part-time? I mean, is that are those things that are available, do you think, in, in some practices? Yes, they are. I mean, it, it used to be that uh, uh, law firms were not very keen on hiring people on an abbreviated work schedule, for instance. But especially with COVID, <laughs> but even before that, uh, it's become 
um, a little bit more palatable to some firms to have some time, uh, a, some type of an abbreviated schedule. Um, law firms often didn't even want remote work. They wanted to see your face in the office till six or six thirty at night, you know, or else they didn't think you were diligent. But of course, COVID changed that, and a lot of firms realized that working remotely, uh, people often get as good, if not better, work done. So I think that's going to continue to some extent. So it might be for some people the way they're working, how many hours they're working. Um, maybe it's the practice. I had one uh, client some years back that was a, a public, uh, or I'm sorry, she was a personal injury lawyer. She was a trial lawyer. She did personal injury. She just hated it. She hated the court work the stress of it and everything. And always, you know, having to deal with people who were injured. And so what she did, she transferred into working in the Department of Insurance, uh, the, the state, her state's Department of Insurance, doing regulatory hearings where her opposition, if you will, but she, you know, became friends with them all. So they treat each other pretty well because they see the same people over and over, were the uh, insurance companies' lawyers, and she sort of negotiates and deals with them in regulatory hearings when they want rate increases or changes. So she kind of feels she's wearing the white hat and helping the consumer. And she doesn't have that same pressure. Regulatory hearings are much less pressured. She's dealing with the, the lawyers who aren't as emotionally invested as, say, uh, someone who's got a client who lost both their legs in a, you know, in a, uh, auto accident. And so she loves her job now. And, it, you know, so, so sometimes that I've had people who say, I really like counseling people. I really, really like working one-to-one and developing a relationship. And I say, well, what about, you know, an estate planning practice where you really, you know, it's a very personal type of thing. You're talking to people about very personal issues, you know, they're dying, their finances, things that people don't talk to people at uh, cocktail parties, you know, with. they don't, they don't bring up those topics usually at cocktail parties. But uh, if you're someone who wants that type of a relationship with the client, that's sometimes a nice practice. Or maybe I did notice for myself, when I went from the big international firm to the five person law firm, there was a big difference in ambience. I just didn't like practicing law. I mean, what could I tell you? It was the, the, the lawyer think. I don't know. I can't even explain. I, I didn't like legal research, and I didn't like thinking like a lawyer. But mm-hmm. uh, So any job I took would have that, and that's why I decided to leave. But I certainly noticed there was a difference when I, from the big firm to the little firm where I was treated much more as an individual and given a lot more credibility and responsibility and attention and respect. So sometimes just changing firms can can yeah. do it. Or moving from a big city, I had a, one client who moved from the big city. He moved to a small town, uh, got together with another guy. He They set up a firm. They ended up being a five-person firm. They were the go-to law firm in their smaller area. They had an airplane that they flew to small towns around the area to handle cases. Uh, where he lived was in a ski town. So mm. often he would uh, ski to work in the winter. <laughs> so, and he was the big guy in town. He was made the, you know, the grand marshal of the parade. So he was the big fish in a small pond. Whereas if he had stayed 
in the big city, he would have been a small fish. Right. And how does one figure out that that's a driver or a motivator? Obviously, he didn't like being a small fish, but how did he come to that realization? Well, sometimes it's just on, on your own, you can. Other times you need a good counselor, I guess, to help you. I mean, I certainly ask people a lot of those kinds of questions about what, you know, hypothetically, what is your, you know, ideal job? Uh, what kinds of skills do you have? What things motivate you and are important to you? So I try to get at some of that, make people think about that. Um, I think anyone that someone works with, if they're going to a counselor, should have someone who wants to ask those questions. But even on their own, um, they need to think about what's important to me. Certainly, an income is important to most people, but that drives some people and it doesn't drive others. There are others who much would much rather have you know, a quality of life or... Um, you know, just other other things, you know, in a meaningful work. Uh, I hear from a lot of people that they want to feel like they're affecting some change in someone's life or in the life of the world. I mean, that's pretty hard to do to have a world impact. But at mm-hmm. least, you know, I have some people say, you know, I'm tired of just my job is to put money from one company into the other company's pocket. And to some people, that's very challenging and interesting. To another person, they might say, I really want to have an impact on, you know, a certain type of population. I want to work with animals. Good. I know a woman who specializes in dog law. That's all she does is the cases involving dogs. Hmm. Uh, you know, either uh, she does handle dog bite, and uh, but also abuse and, and pedigree and all those kind of things, anything involving dogs. Wow. So, um you know, you can do that analysis yourself. You just have to take the time to sit down and do it. And most people would, <laughs> they, you know, they probably rather poke out their eye than sit there <laughs> and do that kind of analysis. So <laughs> it's one of those things you have to force yourself to do because it's an important thing. And once you get a, a feel for it, it makes it an easier thing to say, no, this won't work for me, but yes, this would. And, right. uh, and, and that, of course, is at, at the point when you can make those decisions to change. Right. And I imagine just sort of keeping your eyes and ears open and talking to other people um, about, you know, their career path and maybe talking to people who are doing some unconventional things uh, with their law degrees, just to sort of broaden the scope of your thinking. Because like, how would we even know that these different options are available Absolutely. Um, the, the, the directive, anyhow, in life is to talk less and listen more. <laughs> that's, that's sort of what you know, they say about uh, uh, good leaders, good learners, good lawyers, to listen, because oftentimes you hear things that you never would have heard. So if you're at, a, say, a, you know, a cocktail party or a bar gathering, Rather than saying, oh, this is what I do in our house of football team, or I went to this fashion show, or you go, so what do you do? Tell me about yourself. And you listen to what they say. I mean, people love to talk about themselves because very few people will meaningfully ask about them and listen. You know, they might say, oh, what do you do? Oh, and then cut them off after three words. But if you really ask someone and listen, and you might find out something very fascinating. Um, I used to do a lot of that when I'd, when I'd be flying on business to do seminars around 
the country. And, you know, um, I think I told you I spoke at the bar of, uh, you know, for the Bar Association of Canada, too, um, Mm -hmm. that I would um, talk to people next to me. I'd say, so what do you do? I found out about, I mean, really disgusting things that people did for a living as well. But I found out some really fascinating things that I had never heard of and, uh, you know, put it in the back of my mind, not for myself, but for potential clients, you know, that might have an interest. So you can find out things that you never dreamed and, and read about what things, the things uh even if you're not interested in reading your bar association the publications, skim them to see if there's any things about articles about different lawyers and what they're doing and about their practices and learn some things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are some of the other sort of career changes your clients have made outside of law? Oh, anything. I remember <laughs> when my book was first published, uh, the Lawyer Stridge Career Change Lawyer's Career Change Handbook that I spoke at a big Borders bookstore at the time and when they were, you know, before everything was online even. And uh, at the end of it, I was talking about all the things that lawyers went into outside of law. And after the talk, the person who made the rages with me said, you're right. Lawyers go into all things. I used to practice law, and so did five other people who work at this Borders bookstore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they were, they, they were all there, you know going from practicing law to something else. In fact, the joke has it is that uh, a lawyer calls a plumber to come and do work. And when the plumber's through, the lawyer says, wow, that's a big bill. You charge more an hour than I do. And the plumber (laughs) said, yeah, it's more than I used to charge when I practice law too. So, um, you know, so lawyers do anything. I mean, I've had uh, clients who, uh, one who started running a bicycle tour of Europe business where he would take people on wine and food tours on bicycle in Europe. I had another one start a scuba diving business, another one who opened a bookstore. But then I have a client, a former client who was a massage therapist and taught at a massage school, but also did contract lawyer for other lawyers and taught a few law classes at one of the law schools. So she mixed up, you know, both her physical and her mental capabilities. And by doing both of those, she was able to make a good living. I, I like to suggest to people that they don't have to think all or nothing. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a great believer in what I call composite careers, where you may teach a class, maybe you do some writing, maybe you do some practice of law, maybe you do some consulting with other people. Your income comes from a number of sources. You don't have to just practice law or practice law in a law firm. Mm-hmm. I, when I was first starting Lawyers in Transition, I very much did that. I was starting Lawyers in Transition. I did contract work for other lawyers. I managed a ballroom dance studio. <laughs> uh, I trained horses for the National Park Service. And, uh, you know, so I did a bunch of things. And altogether, it made me, you know, not a great living, but an adequate living while I was building up lawyers in transition. And actually, it was fun. Um, some people would make them be uh, schizophrenic. You know, they wouldn't know. They'd, they'd go into court with their horseback riding hat on or something, you know. So you have to keep your, your roles straight. But for other people, it's a wonderful option who say, I have too many interests. I don't know how to pick one. Mm-hmm. My, res- my response is don't necessarily pick just one. Maybe you can combine a couple. 
Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that could be a huge uh, cause of dissatisfaction in a particular job that, like you say, this all or nothing, just putting everything into it when you have many uh, competing interests, which many, many lawyers do. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes you can do it on the side. Uh, There was a fellow I knew who, you know, he practiced law but he was a playwright as well. And uh, so he, on his, on his free time, he wrote plays and then pr- produced them and put them on. And, uh, you know, so he combined both. Or think about, uh, what's his name, John Grisham, the yeah. uh, author. I mean, he practiced law. I don't know if he still is, but he was practicing law for years all the while while writing his books. So you don't have to do anything to the exclusion of the other. On the other hand, again, you have to be able to balance your time And I actually know uh, a number of people who work as contract lawyers for other lawyers, for other lawyers as their job. They do hourly work for other people. One person I know makes uh, $100 $100 American, uh, $100,000, sorry, $100,000 American a year doing contract work. She alternates from probably five hours a week to 50 hours a week, depending what the needs and demands are. But uh, she gets to do some of her other things and she manages her clients. If she wants to go on vacation, she gives them notice a month ahead and says, I will be leaving for a month starting on, uh, you know, January 1st. You need to get me everything, anything you want done by, um, you know, December 1st and I will finish it on time. But if I get it later than that, I'm sorry, I won't be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. She has established five or six lawyers that she works with regularly. And wow. so she can she can you know be that way with them, but they depend on her. And so it works very well for her in that way. And she was someone who didn't want to take ultimate responsibility for the cases. And this way she doesn't have to. And yet they ask her you know, they integrate her into the cases. It's not like she's just some peon that they hand something to and say, do this. So uh, very, very satisfying for her to do it work that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So interesting. So interesting. I'm just wondering if there are any uh, common hurdles or any kind of hurdles or challenges that um, the lawyers who worked with have you know, faced when they switch careers, whatever that means, whether it's, you know, um, going from full-time practice to part-time or just leaving the law together or finding something else within law? Well, yes. I mean, there are some things, even, you know, changing practice areas, the potential employer might say, well, what do you know about this one? How do you you know, uh, you are a criminal lawyer, how are you going to do civil law? Or you're a civil lawyer, how are you going to do criminal? Or how do you do estate planning? And you, you don't necessarily know the law aspects, but you certainly have the skill set for it. Um, you might want to, I tell people to take some CLA, continuing legal education courses beforehand, read some materials so that they can maybe join the association of, you know, of um, estate planning lawyers, if that's what they want to do, so that they can show things on their resume that shows that they have that interest and they're just not trying to get a job anywhere that will hire them. Um, But yeah, there can be objections. Certainly leaving law, there are those who will say, well, you're just someone who's going to take this job, you know, you're until you can find a better paying law job. So I guess what you have to do is uh, be, you know, pretty adamant about no, uh, you know, you don't want to badmouth law. 
to a, another employer. You don't want to look like you're running away from something. You want right. to look like you're moving towards something. So no, it isn't that. You've just made the decision that the law practice isn't for you. And you really want to be working in public relations because that's what you found, uh, you know, was your ability that you uh, related well with people, you are able to analyze situations, and you promoted your cases and your clients and your firm. And in, when you were in court, your PR abilities were fabulous. So, uh, you know, you, you show how you, what you can do for the employer. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, there's another lawyer who you're talking to, a former lawyer, so you don't have to convince them as much. But otherwise, yeah, sometimes it's uh, or or let's say you're having to take a salary cut and uh, and you don't mind, but they're going, oh yeah, really? You're coming down from 150 to 90 thousand, and you're not unhappy about that. And your response has to be, no, uh, I'm not unhappy because I realize that the work will be, you know, more relevant to me will be more challenging and will be more interesting to me. And fortunately, I'm in a financial situation where 90000 is sufficient for me. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's just one of those things that either they're going to accept it or they're not. I mean, there'll be employers will say, well, no, too bad. I don't want to bother. Right. And other, others will look at you as they're getting twofer, you know, a twofer, as they say. <laughs> they're getting you as a public relations person and you having legal knowledge and ability, which in some companies is very helpful. Mm-hmm. And I'd say probably the firms that are sort of pessimistic about it all probably isn't the place that you want to be anyway. So Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, if they're always challenging you or wondering, yeah, you you want. To, I mean, obviously, you want to go someplace where they're excited about you. I suppose if they go, well, we'll give it a try. We'll see how it works. Good. Then go and prove to them that you are the exact person they need. Great. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've been talking a lot about um, lawyers who are transitioning. So they've been working as lawyers for a while, and I'm just wondering about new lawyers, um, sort of what should new lawyers look for or think about when choosing their first job so that, I mean, not to say that it's such a bad thing to be transitioning later in your career, but just to sort of have, if they can, more satisfaction in the early stages Mm -hmm. of their career. Well, and obviously, if you pick the right place, whatever that means, uh, um, early on and settle into it and become, you know, the go-to person for it. It's a lot easier than 10 years, 20 years out uh, trying to make a, a change when then you have to convince the, uh, the new employer that you're capable of doing this new thing. So um, what I, a lot of time, because I get a lot of calls from law students and even pre-law people, but law students saying, you know, I don't, know what I want to do. And again, I'll ask them some of these same questions about what their work style, what their aspirations are, etc. I try to tell them not to take a job just because it's offered to them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, so then they're ending up working in personal injury or workers' compensation or something that, you know, doesn't fit for who they are. Um, and yeah, it's a job and they might think, well, okay, I'll get legal training. But you can also get pigeonholed. You work two years in a workers' comp firm, and a civil law firm might not want to hire you because they think you've got this narrow niche already. Mm -hmm. And so 
it doesn't mean you can't make a change. My belief is that you can always make a change into something else, but it makes it easier if uh, even during law school, for instance, to try and get your clerkships, don't just take a clerkship just to take it, but take one that, you know, is in a field of interest. So you can try it out and see if you like it. Then you know whether it's, it's just as good to know what you don't like as what you do like. So if you, if you work at something for the summer and you go, Ooh, I hated that. You know, you can check that off your list for next, you know, for the future and take some classes in areas you think that might interest you. But let's say you're graduating law school and some people say, well, the job market, you know, isn't good right now. It's a tough time with COVID because it's hard to go out on, you know, a lot of interviews. Although I sure know there's a lot of firms that are feeling short, uh, you know, in, in hiring. But they'll say, well, I have to take what I have to take. I would still say to try and get the best job, the closest fit that you can get. So you can check it out and see if it works. And if not, take the transferable skills that you've developed there to the next job. Um, Think through before you say yes. Don't take something that you're going to go, oh, boy, this is really a compromise on everything I believe and do. You're not going to be happy on it if that's how you feel about or taking one three hours away and commuting. You know you're not going to stay with it. The only time I would say to do something like that, if it is the perfect job and will give you such background that you can walk into, you know, another comparable place closer, you know, in a year from now, you know, Mm -hmm. hang in for a year and then you should be able to get something else. That's the only time I would tell someone to take something that's so difficult for them as if it gives them a wonderful listing on their resume, either the name of the employer or their job title or the skills they're going to learn. Then if it's difficult, do it for a year or two years if you can, and then you'll be able to go anywhere you want. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Such good advice. And oh, everything everything you've said, such great advice, Hindi. I just wanted well, thank to do you. Yeah, well, just thank you so much for sharing your expertise. And you've been doing this for such a long time and have such great examples. Um, I'm just wondering if there's anything that we didn't touch on that you think uh, would be helpful to pass on to listeners. Well, I just think that uh, to tell people that you can make a change that you can find some satisfaction in, you know, career. I know uh, sometimes you have to bite the bullet and and pinch for a year or two while you're, you know, um, I I, I mean, I personally did that when I quit law. After all, I was making more money practicing law than what I was doing for the next two years. But, you know, sometimes change is hard, but the saying goes that only babies with wet diapers like change. And so I <laughs> and not all that. of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. They'll even cry too. But but certainly, you know, people in a job or looking for a job don't like the idea of making any radical change. And and maybe it doesn't have to be radical. Maybe it's just a tweak. But I think that people just have to know that it does take work. It's not easy. And everyone wants to call a headhunter and have a headhunter place them. And let me tell you, there's no headhunter in the world who will help you if you're trying to make a what I call a diagonal change. You know, <laughs> you're, you're a, a litigation lawyer and you want to go into public relations. They're not going to help you. They place people that are exactly in exact jobs of what your background is. Right. So you're going to have to do the work. So there is work to it, but it can definitely be done. I've 
I've got more than 15,000 lawyers in my database. And <laughs> not all of them have made changes, obviously, but a number of them made really nice changes that they're really pleased with. So it can be done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very, very reassuring. Yeah. So how can listeners learn more about you and your work? Well, they can go to my website, which is lawyers with an S, lawyersintransition.com. And uh, through that website, they can contact me as well. And they can find out a bit about me. And uh, I do most of my consultations by telephone. So it doesn't matter where in the world you are, we can talk. And uh, they can uh, chat with me to find out if we can work together. And if we can, great, we'll set up an appointment. Terrific, terrific. And you have some resources on your website as well, some articles and things that you've written, I noticed. Right. And I've got a list called 101 Things You Can Do With a Law Degree. So that right there might give people some ideas they hadn't thought about. Yeah, 101. And I'm sure now you probably add more to that list. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, web developer, you know, things like that. I have a right. client who went into becoming a, we- a website developer. So, yes. <laughs> so interesting. So interesting. Well, Hindi, thank you so much. I really appreciate it taking so much time to speak with us. It's such a fascinating subject. And I think it's, uh, you know, near and dear to so many lawyers. We're always thinking the grass is greener, but, uh, you know, maybe not. (laughs) Let me just finish with one quick anecdote. No, it's not always greener. I went, I had a client who went uh, to Paris and studied cooking to become a chef. He went to uh, uh, Le Cordon Bleu and uh, studied and came back and did chefing for a couple of years. He's not practicing law again. He said, if you ever want stress in your life, be a chef. He (laughs) says, law is a piece of cake as far as it goes after that. So no, it isn't always greener. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. Great way to end. Thank you. Thank you, Hindi. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining me today on the Excel Legal Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I'm always looking for topic and guest ideas. So if you have any suggestions for future episodes, I'd love to hear from you at xllegal.com. That's E-X-E-L-L-E-G-A-L dot com.